you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the League Podcast starts now. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined by a room filled with heroes, Chris Wessling, Mark Sessler, and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Hey, Dan. Stand it in the round, <laughs> in the backup studio. First off, an apology to all the listeners who who wrote us very upset about the technical difficulties. Two points on that. Number one, it's just going to be a little tough for a few weeks while we are in our temporary home here. Man up. Yeah. Well, and this might need to be a rolling apology. Right. <laughs> a rolling. And number two, a TD, not behind the glass. It's not his fault. It's like Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting. It's not your fault, TD. It's not your fault. It's not, he can't control it. It's just the equipment's not as good in this temporary spot. Great Robin Williams right there. Thank you. Home I run. thought there was only one line in the whole movie. How about them apples? <laughs> Come on. Goodwill Hunting is not – is that a little No, outside? I actually like that movie. Yeah. I'm a big Mini Driver fan. I just had Elliot Smith come on in the car the other day on Shuffle. Great music from that movie too. Oh, yeah. Elliot. Um, mini Driver, who's the NFL equivalent? Exploded on the scene and, and – uh, like a low, maybe like a high draft pick mm. or a low draft pick exploded on the scene. You thought she was going to become something big and then disappeared. Lionel Little Train James. <laughs> I'll go Don Magic Man Magikowski. Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to go Kerry Colbert. Thought he was going to be good right away. Disappeared. Except none of these figures <laughs> felt the need to go lose 25 pounds to stay relevant. Oh, that's Which, just... What I'm arguing is she should not have done that. Be who you are. Apparently she had the Giants coaching staff. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, gentlemen. Big show today. Bear with us as we work our way uh, through this situation. And, and also, let's get a little plugs in there right off the top. Subscribe to us on iTunes if you haven't already. There's a thing called Stitcher. We won an award for it. Maybe you heard about it. I don't know why you guys always act like you don't know what Stitcher stream is. Stream it. Stream it on Stitcher. Yeah, stream it on Stitcher. Mm. Stitcher is a great app. <laughs> Do it on both. Then we get double the pleasure. Wes is definitely getting some side moolah from Stitcher because on a quiet Saturday afternoon, 
and you know the Twitterverse is silent, unmoving. I suddenly see Wes starting to tweet about Stitcher and plugging it. It's great. Well, I just thanked our listeners who download our podcast on Stitcher. Slightly, I think just a tad suspicious, <laughs> but give us some uh, recommendations. Us, they on did iTunes. give us an award. Yeah, give us some recommendations on iTunes, and and you know comment on us, and uh, you know do all that fun stuff. Uh, big show today, as I said, we're going to uh, continue our uh, making the leap series, digging into some of the uh, players that we've nominated who will go from relative obscurity or perhaps uh, at a level where they're just kind of another guy to the next level where they're a Pro Bowl type player or heading in that direction. We got two more players, and I think. And Black Tie is nodding his head. I think we're going to get Kevin Patra on the phone. We've been trying to get Kevin Patra on the phone for roughly seven months now. I believe that when I hear it. And uh, <laughs> we're going to talk because he, uh, Ziggy Ansa, the uh, Vikings pass rusher, uh, Patra wrote about him. So we're going to talk. Patra, Patra wrote about him in February. Yeah, a long time ago. <laughs> you meant uh, Lions, right? We know, oh, of course. We know Patra's not allowed to talk about anyone yes. but the Lions. Uh, apologies. Lions pass rusher, rusher Ziggy Ansa. Um, we'll also be getting into, you know, the Seahawks and Niners have been seen as the the runaway favorites in the league uh, in recent years, at least in the NFC. Uh, Chris Wesley had some thoughts about the situation that is aligning in the NFL in the new season. Perhaps that could be changing. Uh, but before any of that, we'll start with the news. So what's up, TD? How are you, buddy? What's going on, guys? I just got a great chuckle from uh, Sessler's moolah. I didn't, never heard that before. Side moolah. The like fabulous that. moolah, an old female wrestling villain of old days. Uh, that I had you to do her, actually, right, in high school? Dan, that <laughs> not, is so – she's got to be 87 years old right now. She's even still in existence. not the most attractive woman ever to grace the squared circle. No. Great personality. A blocky woman, a thick, yes. wide <laughs> woman. She was built like Cartman. So what's up, TD? All right, guys, I got to I got to confess. So you know, last on the last show we did, which was on Monday, you know, you have the hey, let's do some news, right? Yeah, That's sure. Your let's little, do some news. Let's little do thing. And I remember listening to the show when the gold standard was on. He would always say, "Let's do it." And you know that I made a point to myself that that's not going to be my thing. So, so let's do it has almost been retired within. It's this been retired, podcast. but on the last episode I went, let's do it because it rolled off the tongue nicely. And don't think that I, we didn't notice that, by the way. I felt really wrong. I actually got called out on Twitter. And wow. um, I, uh, from this point on, guys, it, that would never happen again. No more let's do it. So gonna, what's your trademark? I don't know what it is. I'm going to try out a couple of different ones every show and uh, see what works. All right, so we'll start today. Okay. And I'll say, um, you know, hey, TD, let's do some news. Let's go. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> All right. That's... Hey, listen, you've got to start somewhere. Everybody's got to start somewhere. <laughs> you get the sense it's not been an easy week for TD on the Twitter front. He's got this particular Let's Do It scandal, and there's also the probably flood of messages about the sound. All right. Not it's easy. Not an easy, not an easy life for TD. But, and, of course, Nigeria. He's got the World Cup going on. There's a lot of, a lot of stuff he's dealing with. Next right show now. it'll be Let's Try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do some news. We start with news that broke on Tuesday. Texans coach Bill O'Brien announced that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the team's starting quarterback. There will be no training camp battle with Case Keenum, uh, certainly not T.J. Yates, who was also released on Tuesday. Um, 
And, of course, you have Tom Savage in a backup role. You assume he'll be in a de- de- developmental role. But any thought that Case Keenum and Ryan Fitzpatrick would be battling it out for a starting job with all of America training their eyes on, on the situation? <laughs> it's not going to be that way. Fitzpatrick, the Amish rifle, is your starting quarterback heading into training camp and likely through training camp. Gentlemen. It's nice to see some actual hard news. Okay. Yeah, we've got a quarterback. That's that's pretty cool. We don't have to wait until August. Really. I'm surprised you're saying anything putting your boy Case Keenum on the bench is cool. Well, I would say that I agree with John McClain, the uh, venerable Houston Chronicle writer, that Case Keenum breathed life into that offense for a little bit last year until injuries took over the running backs, defenses started to catch on, and really he couldn't deal with the blitz. That was his own problem. But it seems like they've been willing to throw that all out and put – all of their eggs in the basket of a man who averages uh, a win every third start. How well, do you get your fan base excited by Ryan Fitzpatrick? They're not going to be excited, but it doesn't surprise me if he's the best option on that team. Ryan Fitzpatrick is not a bad backup at all. We, we talked about it a little yesterday just sitting around our desk. The, the problem with him is he's kind of like that shooter that you bring off the bench that can get hot for you and shoot a bunch of threes. But he's a bit of a gunslinger. Over time, over seven or eight games, he's going to have more bad plays than, than not. He's not a safe quarterback. He kind of goes against the type of what you would think a Harvard man should be. He's just throwing it out there willy-nilly. Are we sure, by the way, I know he went to Harvard. <laughs> Are we sure that Brian Fitzpatrick is smart? I mentioned I we, this yesterday. It's, it. I, I feel it's linked without any question, any debate. Oh, he played sports at Harvard. So he's genius, which <laughs> we nothing have, about his on-field play would suggest that he is. We do have the Wonderlick test to show that he is well above average. I think he got a 50 or something on yeah. the Wonderlick. Right, and I would, I would second that to say on. that Wonderlick doesn't make you a smart on-field football player necessarily. Only one player in history has a, has a 50 on the Wonderlick. Some punter, I bet. Former Bengals punter slash wide receiver, Pat McAnally. That's smart. I want to go back to something Dan said. I believe you called Fitzpatrick the Amish rifle. Mm. Is that a thing? Do we yeah. know he's Amish? That's he's been his Amish, nickname for like nickname. half a decade. Really? Yeah. Because yeah. Of that, I missed that. Because of that yeah. grody beard well, he has? By the way, first of all, nice use of grody, Wes. I like that. <laughs> what year 40-year-old is man using grody. I like it. Number two, I think Fitzpatrick deserves some credit because when he grew in that beard, that grody beard, as Wes calls it, he was a little ahead of the game. Not everybody had these nasty beards. Now I feel like uh, 80% of football players, including 114% of white offensive linemen, have mm-hmm. a giant bushy beard. He, I think he earned that. Nickname. The other thing is this is a player, and one of – talk about 80% that don't do this probably on or off the field. He never takes his wedding ring off in games. And that, that came to light, and people <laughs> were freaking out. He said, I'm loyal. I'll never take it off my hand. You know, that explains his accuracy. Oof. You know what? He deserves that, though. Because don't throw it in our face that you could keep the jewelry on and it makes you a better man. Enough of that. One point, by the way, TJ Yates released, obviously had former fourth, fifth-round pick, late-round draft pick in 2011, ended up getting in a playoff game and winning, and then kind of dropping off the face of the earth. Sound like somebody? Mini driver. What? Connective tissue, TJ Yates. That's an outrage. I wouldn't assume that Tom Savage is the third-string quarterback here come September either. Why? He's not even a corporeal entity. 
Whoa. <laughs> if he is actually a human being, and there is starting to become some evidence of that, I think he will be the backup. <laughs> yes, for those that maybe are new to the show, uh, the around the league team has very been, been slow to come to grips with the possibility that Tom Savage is an actual person or not a, just a draft buzz entity. I thought he was created from the figmentation of uh, Gil Brandt's imagination. <laughs> We're starting to learn otherwise. Moving forward, the St. Louis Rams running game, uh, some interesting news out of there. Offensive coordinator Brian Schottenheimer confirmed Wednesday that Stacy isn't guaranteed to open the season as the lead back. Here's Schottenheimer's quote. Well, right now, competition, that's the C word, is for who's the starter. We're just going to let them all roll and see what happens. Gentlemen, what do you take of this? Does Stacy? I mean, he, he seems to be a guy that can make things happen for this team, but does, should he be taking starter snaps? I'm not buying what they're selling, that this is a real competition. I think it's just what coaches like to say every offseason, that there, there is a competition. Stacy was their offensive focal point for the last 12 games last year. I can't see them, like, not starting him and going with a rookie. It's all about when you talk to the coaches. When, when we were at the Combine, Jeff Fisher was talking about he wanted to get Zach Stacy's 370 carries. I don't think it's crazy to think that a guy who was taken in the sixth round last year, Zach Stacy, Fifth round? Faces some competition from a running back that they took a couple rounds higher. I mean, everything about the NFL the last couple of years would lead us to believe that they'll probably split carries or it'll be 60-40, 70-30 for Stacey. And it's June, so it's hard to take any of this very seriously. They are preaching competition, and they speak a different language than the average football fan. Well, the Rams are a perfect example of how week one starters are overrated. Do you remember the starter at running back for the Rams last year? Daryl Richardson. D-Rich. Now fourth on the depth chart for the Jets. Right, and he and not only was he starting, he got 20 carries the first week. I mean, they gave him a shot, and things change. Uh, to me, Zach Stacy makes sense as a bell cow type of guy, but they wouldn't have taken another running back in the third round if they wanted to give him 370 carries. I don't think so. That is the shape of a team that if you pick any of their running backs in fantasy, you're going to be agitated early to mm. end. I think I'm keeping Zach Stacy in my keeper league. Get excited about other people's fantasy teams. <laughs> Everybody does. Bad news in Washington. The Redskins signed former Cowboys defensive tackle Jason Hatcher to a multi-year deal, deal earlier in the offseason, including uh, $10.5 million due to him this year. Early results not looking good. Hatcher said Wednesday that he's, he needs to undergo arthroscopic left knee surgery this week. Uh, Coach Jay Gruden confirmed the news later. Uh, he's expected to miss four to six weeks, but for a guy that has some past knee issues, uh, this and the history that we know with the Redskins sign, signing veteran free agents, none of this sounds too promising. Redskins fans and maybe others would say this isn't a big deal, and it's probably not. But imagine if he had this surgery in February. How much money would he have gotten as a free agent? Half as much? Not even. So... To me, then, it is a big deal. It's a 32-year-old who couldn't even make it through the summer without having pain in both of his knees, he said, and they need this guy to be a superstar. They're paying him like one of the best defensive tackles in football. Do you know when I realized the Redskins would not be a candidate for team of ATL? <laughs> when? when? Last podcast when TD brought it up and Greg answered no three times no. in succession. No. <laughs> and then cackled when Jason Hatcher. It ain't happening. <laughs> Jason Hatcher went in his life and it made Greg's day. Veto power yeah. checks and balances. Yeah, I mean, you are canceling out the Steelers, clearly. Don't assume that. I, 
I think we all have checks and balances, though. We'll see how well, it plays out. Well, you can out. assume I'm canceling the Redskins. Forget I have it. been getting into it, Raiders fans lately. It's, it's flown under the radar that Greg cannot stand the Redskins. <laughs> he hates the Redskins. I wouldn't go that far, but I'm not going to pick him as a team of ATL. I mean, wow, the dynamic Jay Gruden and Jim Hazlitt combo. Let's get behind <laughs> that group. It's fair. Marshawn Lynch has arrived at Seattle Seahawks minicamp. Everyone exhale. NFL media's Omar Ruiz, a good man, by the way, who is in Seattle, reported that Lynch took the field with his teammates on Tuesday uh, but not, did not participate in the team stretch or any drills. Uh, big, big story here. Any whispers that he was thinking about retiring, which is always bogus, uh, that's all out the window, and he's not going to get a raise. I think he came to learn that, and now he's back, so he's a running back in the NFL, as he should have been. He might get a raise. Can we please put this story to bed until we see him in the lineup in week one? Sure. He, I, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if he got a little a little bump. Why? I, I know initially I thought he had no chance, but just the sound coming out of Seattle, they might give him some sort of Band-Aid, like, incentive-based, just little thing to be, hey, Marshawn, we Paul like, Allen we like has you. deep pockets, and the Seahawks do things differently. Yeah. Bad news for your boy, Kristen Michael Mark. I thought he was on his way. Not worried. No one, no one puts more into the making the leap game than Mark Sessler, who really did well last year picking players that ended up making the leap indeed in 2013. So this has to hurt, Mark, because I know you really want to have the most successful making the leap candidates. Take us through your thought process right now. I think the thought process was that what I projected Kristen Michael for is not threatened at all. Sure. Somehow, and I did not project him for whopping numbers, that got through the board. So that's the mistake, is allowing me to write an article where I actually didn't project him to do anything that outrageous, and it's on our website, <laughs> and it will be correct I come take, December. I take offense to Dan saying no one puts more into making the leap than Mark. Don't project here. Well, I mean, no, I'm putting a lot into well, it. Well, no, no. I Don't take it the wrong way. Projecting. What I mean is the people that... <laughs> Mark, more than any of us, I feel. I feel like I'm going to take this the wrong that way. Wants percentage correctly. He wants to have the most right. I, okay. I, I, I I'm not that. sure where that's coming from at all, but I will play along. I, it's not something on my list of concerns. It's not top 150 in my life. You. I like how this is going, that season two of the Around the League podcast, more conflict. We're just going to get at each other's throats. Well, this is called – Disintegration of the group. You can't. You can't have a stagnating storyline. Right. It's like you know, in any new show where you obviously have the uh, love connection and the tension there between two characters. Mm. Even if they get together, they have to separate in year two. You can't. I mean, you have to find a way to keep the listeners. I point to right. the producer change. Oh. Mm. Let's just pointing you know, fingers. Marinate. Let that marinate. <laughs> <laughs> Poor TD doesn't even have a headset on right now. He can't even answer for himself. Low blow, Mark. He does throw the fireball, though. All right, the Jets continue to send messages that Geno Smith will be the heavy favorite to begin the 2014 season as the team's starting quarterback. Offensive coordinator Marty Morningwig told reporters on Wednesday that Smith will get 70 to 75% of first-team reps during training camp. Uh, of course, Geno is perhaps in a competition with Michael Vick, depending on, on who you ask. Vick, who cannot stop talking, was asked again about his situation and he, he, the outspoken quarterback said, listen, it's a, quote, little premature to be 
regarded as a backup quarterback. Why not sign as a backup quarterback? TD, you got any circus music over there? Get that calliope playing. <laughs> you want it to be, but it's not a circus. It's a circus. Oh, Michael Vick is bemoaning his lot in life every other day. What? How high on the regret scale is Michael Vick right now that he signed with the Jets? Well, all right, let's pull back a little bit. Let's say he, he spurns the Jets. Where would he sign where he'd be feeling better about his situation right now? The Raiders. Who goes to the Raiders? That's where you go for your career to die. What have the Jets done lately? Well, I mean, there's a difference in – there's different where the organization has been in the last 10 years, let's be fair. Well, I think right. – hold on. Like, one thing, Morning Morningweg also during this, uh, you know, press conference, whatever it was, bath salt-induced talk session <laughs> called <laughs> San Antonio Holmes a man with a, in quotes, heart of gold. Hmm. Literally? So, yes. <laughs> I well, I would say I would charge Chris Johnson is a first ballot Hall of Famer. Yeah, as well. there was a oh lot of God. nonsense being tossed around. Whether or not you think this is a circus, <laughs> and that that's, that word may be strong, although I tend to agree with Wes on this, is Stunner. that what New York has done is for the third time in four years, if not the fourth time in four years, create complete disease and issues <laughs> so at this position. Disease. It's not. It's <laughs> not. <laughs> Tell me about the disease, Mark. It's no, no, Get deeper listen, on it. Can you possibly arrange it so that you don't have your two quarterbacks dispensing completely contradictory quotes to the press what is day Gino after Smith day? Said? What does Geno Smith say? Geno Smith is the guy holding the line. Michael Vick is going okay. all over the place. Shut Michael Mark's Vick down. Right. Which, which team's quarterbacks have we talked about more since this podcast started than the Jets? Well, that's just the way it always is. The Jets quarterbacks people love to talk about. Right. It. It's but, a disease-ridden circus. I know, but that's that's what Jets haters like Mark and Chris like to do. But it's really not it's not I a situation. Hate the Jets. Like not a hater. I don't hate the Jets. I hate the way the media covers the Jets. Well, how is that the Jets' fault? Because they don't have to keep bringing in Michael Vick when they know it's going to be a problem. Here's here's a point that I would like they to make. They brought in Tim Tebow. That was their fault. You would acknowledge that. Oh, that was There's always the dueling quarterbacks history. giving press conferences within 24 hours of each other. Well, that's Same not true bizarre opposite It is. That's absolutely true. No, they, they have a locker room where they go and talk to the quarterbacks. They're like the Abbott Custard. It's a bit they have now. All right. <laughs> this quarterback talked. Now the next quarterback has to come in and, and just say hey guys, totally this is how the NFL works. They talk to the quarterbacks. Yeah. Just like that's what they're doing Some in Some teams think Cleveland. it's a good idea to have one quarterback. Ooh. Well, the Jets would love to have one quarterback, but it's not that easy. Well, if they're given 75% of the snaps to Geno Smith, then he's their one quarterback. You don't need Michael Vick on the roster. This is some genuine news that they're not giving Vick a truly fair chance. Or maybe they just feel like he's Michael Vick and they know what they have, so they'll just get Geno ready and then they'll pull out the rug from under him about That's what I a quarter into week two. I always thought, and I've said that, we have sandwiches on the line that – Geno Smith will get the chance to start the season. Mm. And then when he falters, which he probably will, because I don't think any of us are sold on Geno Smith, you have a nice, perhaps the best backup in the league to come in. And I never understood why that was a bad decision that the Jets went down that route. route. If, if anything, the only thing I think that went wrong here was Vic talks too much. I, and, and he continues to talk which about Which was predictable, it. though, because Not Michael Vic did the same thing the I, last few years. I will always believe until I'm told differently that Vic was told he gets a chance to compete mm. for the starting job, and they're not letting him compete. It's a theory. It's possible, but that's not what we know. But well, I'm going to keep believing it. Right. Well, I'd be a little worried that the guy running the offense thinks Antonio Holmes has a heart of gold <laughs> and Chris Johnson's a first ballot Hall of Famer that really brings into question the entire operation. Antonio Holmes If he has was a heart of worst, gold, by the way. If he has a heart of gold, how bad is he at football then? Is this that a they new won't thing bring in him in? Pop culture? What? Uh, gilding your heart? 
<laughs> Wait, what? Covering your heart in gold. Is that a new thing? Oh. Like, people are doing that now? I don't know, maybe. I wouldn't be that surprised if if there was a crazy Instagram photo posted by Santonio Holmes with maybe, like, kind of a hazy look in his eyes with the heart of gold. I could see it. Yeah. <laughs> 420 clock in the background. Dan, we are not trying to attack you directly. Well, I Let's just pick in up the, the future, when we talk about uh, Michael Vick and Geno Smith, I want you guys to wear matching tights as a tag team. <laughs> like well, low-grade 80s tag team. How about team. in the future we just don't talk about Vick and Geno because the story's not going to change. That, well, that's fine. Dan, Dan does have something in his pocket right here, which is that his sandwich bet and the two of you – Decided to make a high-octane sandwich bet on who's going to be the week one starter. Dan took Geno Smith, that's right. Mm-hmm. Chris Wessling took uh, Michael Vick. I mean, if I can get on this one, I'm, I'm starting to feel pretty good about Dan's chances here. Oh, I feel Dan has a better shot now than he did a couple of months ago. Ooh, sure. But all along, I was counting on a Geno Smith August face plant. Okay. Capitulations. Right. Let's talk about, listen, this is the quarterback I would like the Jets to have. Kurt Warner is heading into the Cardinals' ring of honor, Mark. He's available. He is available. <laughs> NFL Network. NFL Network's own Kurt Warner into the ring of honor. Uh, Mark, you wrote a piece on this today. I would like you to give your thoughts on Kurt Warner, the man. I think the bigger question for Kurt Warner is after this season, he's eligible, eligible for the Hall of Fame. Do we think he's a first ballot Hall of Famer? I don't really get into the whole first ballot thing because I don't think it's predictable. It's, but unless you're Lawrence Taylor or Jerry Rice, I mean, who knows? That was my attempt to steer it away from the four-paragraph <laughs> post that I wrote. Uh, you did, well, you did a great here. job with it. We are talking about the quarterback with the three highest single passing game totals in Super Bowl history. That's he, a Super Bowl resume. He's the Terrell Davis of quarterbacks, but I think unlike uh, Terrell Davis, he will get in eventually. I don't think he'll get in right away. I really think it was the Cardinals' Super Bowl run which came up just short, no fault of his own, that will get him into the Hall of Fame. You might have to wait three or four or five years. It's tough for I – mean, Terry Bradshaw waited. How long did he wait? It's, it's crazy. It's kind of interesting why he's the Terrell Davis. It, you know, he started out in the Arena League. He was – you know, everybody knows he was bagging groceries. He gets benched in New York. He gets benched in St. Louis. He's playing okay in New York. He comes to Arizona. They don't know enough to play him over – Matt Leinart at first. He will be the first Hall of Famer to ever lose a job to Matt Leinart. And I bet he would have played another year if not for Bounty Gate and the Saints taking him out in that mm. game. Mm, interesting. I mean, he's definitely a guy that later in his career was brought in to nurture a guy that we knew would take over the job soon enough, right? I mean, but I like the fact that he kind of battled back from being doubted over and over. Warner's, Warner's also one of the few quarterbacks that you could say two organizations in terms of modern play would point to him as like their highest performing quarterback over a couple mm. of seasons. There aren't a lot of those guys. That, that's, that's true. true. And, and it is an amazing comeback story that he had with the Cardinals because you think of how he came out of nowhere with the Rams. But go back to when the Giants got rid of him. He was not a highly sought-after mm-hmm. guy. He was a guy people wanted for one year, $2 million dollars. He'll be your backup. He'll be the good guy in the locker room. At that point, no one, including us, I don't think really thought he ever had a shot to be that kind of top-shelf quarterback again. Let me- Here's how important he was. Name another good Cardinals team in their history. 
seriously. Like 1987 with Neil Lomax. Uh, not how even good a good, were they? No, not. I mean, that's, that's Plummer, your, your ceiling. Plummer got to the playoffs, but they, they weren't Fair. good like those Cardinals teams, which really were contenders. I mean, they made the Super Bowl, and then the next year they won a playoff game. Uh, we have to move on, but I want to name, throw out five names from the class of 2015 and uh, let me know are eligible in 2015 for the Hall of Fame. This all gets announced right on the eve of the Super Bowl. So, Warner, yes or no? Not this year, but eventually. I agree. Yeah. Junior Seau. He's I, a Hall of Famer. I, I don't know what year he'll get in. Yeah, it's I tough. think he'll be first ballot. I think he'll be first ballot Hall of Famer. Obviously, there are other circumstances. Uh, Tony Dungy? Well, he's been up. He was up last year, right? And he, he didn't oh, get in. And uh, I think Marvin Harrison of the former Colts that are waiting to get in. To me, it's totally insane he didn't get in. Yeah, he I, should get I agree in this with year. that. He should get in. I'm shocked he didn't. That's why it's so hard to predict first ballot. I was shocked that Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Harrison did Very much so. And coaches, I mean, if they're going to look at Dungy primarily, obviously, as a coach, that's a rough road for some of these guys. Jimmy Johnson's in. still not in. Right. All right, gentlemen, let's uh, move forward. The Making the Leap series, as you know, we're counting down the top 25 players most likely to emerge as uh, true impact players in the 2014 season. Kevin Patra, our Around the League Chicago correspondent, wrote up number 22 on this list. Indeed, Kevin Patra coming at you on the phone. Are you there, Kev? I am here. Yeah, it worked. We thought it would never happen. Buzz has been building about this appearance for weeks now, Patra. So there's a lot of pressure on you to deliver. I, I, it was many beers ago that I wrote this post, so we will see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Kevin Patra. So you wrote about number 22 on our list. He is Detroit Lions pass rusher Ziggy Ansa. Uh, of course, Ansa was the number five overall pick in the 2013 draft, showed some uh, positive signs as a rookie. And now you believe Ansa will go next level in year two. I do. And, Dan, it's actually a tragedy that we didn't get to do this Monday because I had a great opening line about you planning it. So Ziggy Ansa from Ghana would be on the same day the U.S. played Ghana in the, wow. in the World Cup, just hmm. synergy. That must be so as heartbreaking kind of a, as it was for Ghana to lose in a <laughs> yeah, tragic I'm sure it was. fashion. You still shoehorned it in there, so really nothing lost. I, I do what I can. <laughs> so tell us about Ziggy. Well, when I put on the tape, I mean, you saw that he had eight sacks last year. And he came out of BYU uh, as this raw pass-rushing talent is what he was labeled as. And what surprised me the most, I think, and what I think is going to get him through to make the leap in this next year is his, his awareness on the field. He actually was much better in run defense than he was in pass defense. The eight sacks jump out. But a lot of those, uh, by my count, half of those at least were uh, a product of him having a high motor but and fairly flushing out a quarterback from the middle of the pocket toward him or him being the last person near him as he went out of bounds. So I, I really think that his awareness and his athleticism and that motor that I spoke of are the main reasons that he's going to make the leap. And his second year with Jim Washburn, when you notice they scrapped the entire coaching staff, they kept the defensive line coach Jim Washburn on. I think Ziggy was one of the main reasons because of his improvement over the second half of the year. So if, if Ziggy makes the leap and they slim down Nick Fairley, Bounces back, yeah, how about that? Bounces back to 2012 form. Will anybody score on the Lions this year? <laughs> well, yeah, because you still have huge question marks. In this. I mean, they're not going to get to the quarterback every play, right? I don't know. Ziggy Ansah. Huge question marks in the secondary, so I would say they will score, yeah. He 
you know, was talked about, like, he was far more raw than Jason Pierre-Paul, and he had played so little football. And what I watched of Anza was similar to what you did, is that he looked the part, and he was very good in run support. He was thought of as a guy that maybe wouldn't be strong enough, and he looked ready for it. And part of the reason I like having him on making the leap, he's going to play more, not just starting, but his snaps were fairly limited last year. And, Mm -hmm. yes, maybe some of those sacks were cleaning up uh, and taking advantage of his situation, but he's going to have that again this year. And if you keep getting those sort of easy sacks, he'll get 13, 14, and we'll look like geniuses. And that's really what it's all about. It's all about spinning it back toward us and greatness. And How the can light. we work a remote control car into the Making the Leap series? <laughs> that's that's going to be Making the Leap number one. Spoiler alert. I also think that I think he's also going to get moved around the line a little bit more because he was so good in, in run support. I think they could mix him up in the defensive interior next year a little bit more. Uh, they did that. He had like 20 or so snaps on the inside. Most of those, from what I saw, were stunts with Sue on one side or the other. Um, but I think that they could move, move him around a little bit more to take more advantage of matchups. I remember, when I, saw, the line. I remember when I saw stunts with Sue in concert. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's the biggest obstacle for him? Well, first of all, he's got to stay healthy. Like Greg said, he, he did go through injury problems. He had a concussion early in the season. didn't miss any time with that. He had an abdomen problem, and then he missed two games with an ankle injury. Uh, so he's got to stay healthy. He's, he's off-season shoulder surgery now, which they knew when they drafted him that he would probably need. Uh, so him missing time in the off-season in, in a pivotal year where he couldn't make the leap is, doesn't bode well, but I don't think that's going to hurt his chances. Uh, he also has to get his technique better. Uh, I mean, good tackles shut him down. Watching Joe Thomas just just gobble him up every single time, it got so redundant that I just kept flipping through. Uh, because he really did. I mean, besides a bull rush, and coming out wide outside on that wide nine, he really doesn't have any other uh, pass rushing techniques. He has trouble getting heavy guys with offensive line with heavy hands off of him. Uh, his best best games came when he could overpower the left tackle. Well, that sounds good. Thank you very much, Kevin Patrick. Kevin Patrick, by the way, uh, we're going to let him get back to it, working on an unauthorized biography of Chicago native and former x file star Jillian Anderson. True or false, Kevin? I cannot tell you. Right, so look for that on Never the internet not. at be some true, point. All right, Kevin Patrick. Thanks, good talking to you, buddy. Have a good one. God, it's so good to hear Kevin's voice because I would go out on a limb, all due respect, Wes, that Kevin Patrick is the most masculine member of ATL. He's just, Why did you say all due respect you know, to Because you're a very masculine man yourself. I didn't and, that, and that's not to take anything away from Gregor Mark. No, right? you've taken nothing away from <laughs> us, Dan. Don't worry about that. <laughs> Um, that that would be that would be my comment that Wes is you know Wes is a man. Look at him. Look at those shoulders. But you know Patrick he fights a lot. <laughs> so it's good to hear his voice. That's I'm, I'm taking Patrick in a fight over against, me. Against That's a bad move. <laughs> <laughs> Who was the last person that you said? Oh, it was a bad move to take Peter, Peter King, King over yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let, let's move forward with another uh, making the leap candidate. Wes, it is now your turn to speak up because you are all in uh, New Orleans Saints running back Kyrie Robinson. Um, You seem to be excited about him as being an instant impact type guy this year. I do. I think it all started late last season. We, uh, if you'll recall, watching the playoff game against the Seahawks when I think it was John Lynch was announcing and related the anecdote that Bill Bill Parcells called up Sean Payton 
his former pupil and said, you know, what are you doing? Play Kyrie Robbins, and this guy's the next Curtis Martin. Hmm. If that doesn't get your attention, I mean, yeah. Bill Parcells presented Curtis Martin at the Hall of Fame. Maybe he'll be doing it for Kyrie Robinson someday. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> what, what about Robinson gets you uh, excited in the morning? <laughs> Does he? Like, first thing you wake up? It's oh, not my how God. this is. Kyrie That's... Robinson. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, I don't, I don't get out of bed in the morning until I think about running backs. <laughs> I thought, you know, he's a tackle breaker. This amazing stat from Pro Football Focus: Kyrie Robinson on regular season carries alone, seventy-six snaps, had more forced missed tackles than Ray Rice did on seven hundred thirty snaps. Hmm. He's a natural tackle, but he led all backs in the preseason in forced missed tackles and had – this is a demonstrated skill. He had more yards after contact in the playoffs than Marshawn Lentz and LeGarrette Blunt, and Blunt Ooh. broke a record for the only running back to have 150 yards and four TDs in a playoff game. It's hard to figure out the way New Orleans plans to use its running backs from year to year, but they have whittled it down. They got rid of Chris Ivory. Darren Sproles is out the building. Only one of their six running backs – were drafted. And Robinson, you're right, he saw more carries down the stretch. And it seems with the stuff we heard in Orlando from Sean Payton and just a consistent kind of buzz from the coaching staff that Robinson, along with Ingram, but Robinson's going to see a much bigger load this season. Are we going to, as long as Drew Brees is there and throwing as much as he does, are we ever going to see, though, if maybe this is what could hold him back, that offense really installing a running back that gets enough work to make the leap. There's no question that's his biggest obstacle. Greg did uh, Pierre Thomas last year on making the leap and said the same thing, the committee attack. Since Drew, since uh, Deuce McAllister's prime, they have not had a 1,000-yard back. And I wouldn't expect Kyrie Robinson to be that either. Last year, he only caught one pass. So I went back and I did a little research into his pass-catching ability. He, he looked like a pass-catching maniac in the preseason. There was one game he saw, caught six passes. I think the game before that he caught five. He caught 60 passes in his last two years in college. He looks like a, he can do this naturally. This is something that he can do. But he had to pick up his assignments and get used to pass protection. The coaches all say he's doing that better this year, but he's still, I would imagine, going to be way behind Pierre Thomas in that. He, he jumps off the screen, though. He, he reminds you a little bit of a young Maurice Jones-Drew just – bouncing off of guys and his biggest obstacle is basically just keeping Mark Ingram on the bench as much as possible because for the fifth straight year we're getting some residual Mark Ingram hype out of Saints camp too and to me it's just you watch the two you would think Robinson's the first round pick I I think so definitely I, I thought going through just by the time I had finished his preseason film I thought I had already seen more out of Kyrie Robinson than I saw yeah. out of Mark Ingram in four years and out of Trent Richardson in two. Kyrie Robinson looks like the guy who's a first-round draft pick, and what really sticks out is he has exceptional balance. If somebody arm tackles him and it looks like he's going to fall, he somehow keeps his balance, keeps going, and gets yards after contact. And he has good vision, too. He, he's, he gets the hole, puts his foot in the ground, and, and explodes through it. Wes, how about some, before we move on, final 2014 stats prediction? All right, do you want to do your over-under that you usually yeah. like to do? All right, All right. over-under 100 carries. Over. over. Well, well over. All right, over-under 500 yards. Over, well over. Come on. Well, what are, what are we working He's not making with? the list here if he's 500 yards. Yeah, unless you're Kristen go, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go, I would set the over-under in yards at about 725. Ooh, I like 25 sneaking in there. 
I and, want to aim uh, for the sky. I think a thousand's not that crazy. Thomas is the the pass catcher. Robinson's the runner. It's not that crazy. I just I have this vision in my head of him like exploding on the scene in the playoffs again. When they're going to need a cold weather back. And, well, they could get home field advantage. They've been a good running team over the years overall. They'll rank in the top ten in rushing. I think there are yards there for them. I'm a homer for all these guys now. Yeah, this is Greg nice. is putting is his team. red editorial pencil on your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> these are his boys. All right, before we get out of here, I just wanted to touch on something Wes said downstairs that kind of struck a chord with uh, all the heroes downstairs. You said that the Seattle Seahawks and San Francisco 49ers – have some real competition in terms of entering the season. There, usually there seems to be a big talent gulf and maybe an overall uh, team-level gulf between the, these two teams and the rest, but you say it's getting tighter and tighter, which will be interesting heading into a new season. I think entering last year and throughout the season, everybody assumed that the Seahawks and 49ers were the NFC superpowers. And after the Super Bowl, everyone pointed out that what the Seahawks did to the Broncos, the 49ers could have done the same thing. And I think they've lost a little ground this offseason, really through no, no fault of their own. But I really like what the Packers and Saints have going for them, and I think they could be equally as strong as the 49ers and Seahawks, if not stronger. You've been saying you think the Saints could have the best record in the NFC. Part of that is because they don't play in the NFC West. Right. That's part of it. But I, I really love – they picked up how many teams pick up two difference makers in one offseason? And if you buy into Brandon Cooks, which it seems we are, Mark has called him the favorite for to lead re, rookie receivers in, in production. Bucky Brooks has predicted 70 catches for him as a rookie on our podcast. And I think Drew Brees said today, Look, this guy's going to do a lot of what Darren Sproles did for us. They're excited about him. I think. If you look at their offense last year, Greg pointed this out several times, they had kind of grown stale at wide receiver. No, but their tight end was their, was their downfield threat. Now Kenny Stills will have a bigger role. Brandon Cooks comes in. Kyrie Robinson gets elevated to a bigger role. Uh. They have an injection <laughs> of playmaking ability really on both sides of the ball here. Mark, and, your thoughts? I, I don't think that Seattle has I – think, I think you make the point that these other teams are creeping closer – to Seattle, for instance, I don't think Seattle's done anything that tells me they've taken a step back. They're one of the healthiest organizations in football. And San Francisco, I, I can buy that a little bit more in terms of aspects of their team. I don't love their past defense necessarily. But, I, you know, Green Bay naturally, inherently, is going to be a better football team because, A, you're not going to have Aaron Rodgers on the bench for – nine games or whatever it was. He's coming back. Unless and you're predicting something. I'm not this time. And, yeah. and you're getting <laughs> what essentially is almost a refurbished starting defense with all the players you're getting back. I, I guess for me, it's, it's not about Seattle declining, though, on any level. I don't think Seattle's declining. I don't think the 49ers are either. I think that whereas last year they had very little legitimate competition, you know, I think – I never thought the Saints were a threat to them last year. I thought the Panthers would win that division. And it played out that way. And it did. I, I, the Saints had too many flaws. What I think this year is the Saints are equally as powerful as them. They've gotten better. The Packers, you mentioned they, they basically have a new starting defense. Guys that weren't on the field in their playoff loss to the 49ers, Clay Matthews, Casey Hayward, who was their best cornerback the year before. I think Brad Jones, the linebacker, wasn't there. Dayton Jones, who was a making-the-leap candidate this year, barely played in that game. Micah Hyde, who could be a three-down player this year, barely played. They've got four or five guys that are 
Julius Peppers, who they signed. They've got so many guys that, that are among their best players who weren't on the field. Back and one guy like Julius Peppers is the perfect example of a in the middle of June, we are just flying with excitement about the concept of him. And then let's see where we are in November with him. But in general, the Packers have a lot of young talent. What's interesting for me is if you were to examine this Seattle-San Francisco level of talent against the AFC, the Snight AFC to me has nothing going on. I'm not sure if the 49ers are definitely there. And part of it is just a habit of mine that over the years, what comes up, in the NFL, always comes down, you know, regression to the mean. And I don't know if we're entering a new era of NFL football where we're back to these superpower teams because it's starting to look like that. The Seahawks and the 49ers and the Patriots, the Broncos, they've all been the best teams for a few years now. And even the Packers and the Saints, they've been good for a while. Recent NFL history tells us either the 49ers or the Seahawks aren't making the playoffs because good teams don't stay that good that long. What about the 49ers, if we're saying that maybe they didn't uh, get worse, but you know they're not going to have Navarro Bowman perhaps for the whole year, and they're not going to – probably won't have Alden Smith for at least some bit of time, but perhaps he could, be, he could be in jail for all we know, but he'll almost certainly be suspended. Those are two huge pieces of that defense that aren't going to be there. Losing cornerbacks too. Eric Wright, right, who just <laughs> – he retired – his defensive coordinator, Vic Fangio, said that he asked Eric Wright to move inside to play nickelback last week, and Wright promptly retired at age 28. Right. That was uh, – Greg made the analogy <laughs> downstairs. That's that? like if Greg is signing uh, Mark as an example to write something about the NFC South and, Gre- and Mark going, I don't want to write about the NFC South. I retire. <laughs> Not like you'll take a couple of days to think about it, or I'm just peeved and I'll go. Yeah. Or I quit and I go get another no. job. Hey, buddy, I'm you can no either, longer to write. And let's get – straight what he was asked to do. He was asked to move three feet to his left. (laughs) By the way, had I signed a $5 million deal a couple years ago, maybe I would quit. (laughs) (laughs) That's learned fire tonight. Um, All right, that's it, gentlemen. Unless anybody had any other thoughts about that situation. All right, let's get out of here. Uh, We'll be back on Friday with our third and final show of the week. There will be a lot of excitement there. We'll still be in the uh, the dungeon, as we call it, or uh, I just said that for the first time. Feels uh, apt. Yeah, feels apt. It's not as good as Sessler's dungeon. <laughs> Sessler has a dungeon. Chris has slept there. That's a whole other story. <laughs> uh, we'll be back on Friday. Until then, this is Dan Hansis signing off for the mailman, the sizzler, the boss, and take date. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. I'm late. I'm late. Very important date. Time is running out to score adult theme park tickets at child prices from Undercover Tourist. This summer, make your Walt Disney World vacation more affordable than ever. Escape into a place where magic has the power to transport you into stunning worlds and your favorite stories for less. Buy from Undercover Tourist, an authorized seller, and link to official Walt Disney World apps so you can add on Genie Plus and Lightning Lane upgrades easy. Book your adult theme park tickets at child prices with Undercover Tourist now and save. UndercoverTourist.com. Come.